Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, and welcome to Batwoman TV Talk, the weekly podcast based on the new CW hit series, Batwoman. My name is Palmer, and with me, as always, is Tony Ann. Say hi, Tony Ann. Hey, everybody. How are you? I'm doing good. How about you? Pretty good. I need to pay someone to do the intros because I always feel weird doing the intro. And I wouldn't wouldn't be any better at it. (laughs) Sorry. <laughs> it, I don't, don't know. It just feels weird. I don't know why. Ah. I have to assume it's going and to get better it, with time. <laughs> you would think that, weird. but who knows? I, it, you know, maybe, but I don't know. How have you been? Pretty good. It's been a pretty busy week. Oh, really? Anything big? No, just been crazy busy with work and family stuff. Ah, all right. All right. Feels like was... we just did an episode. I know, right? Can I say how very relieved I am that Batwoman is on Sundays and not Mondays because the Monday night lineup on the CW is preempted in my area for football tonight. So I'm very grateful that we are on Sundays. That is weird. Yes, it is very weird. Who preempts? I mean, what's on? It's Riverdale, right? For Monday, it's All-American and Black Lightning. Ah, okay. So they're doing Black Lightning tomorrow at 7 and then All-American Wednesday at 7, or the other way around, I'm not sure, which is strange, but, you know. So I'm just very grateful that I was able to actually, like, watch Batwoman, because it was a really good episode, and I would have hated to have missed it for football. I, yeah, (laughs) nothing should ever preempt Batwoman. No, nothing. So we have one comment from a listener. Oh, cool. Sent me a uh, sent me a message on Twitter. Our friend Lauren, who does the Metropolis podcast, was commenting on the show. She's really liking it, but she thought the pilot severely undersold the show. She said it's frustrating because the pilot was positively exhausting with Berlanti isms that only became more underwhelming with each show. But it found its voice quicker than any of the shows. I remember how bad Flash was until about three quarters through season one. Weird how that balances out. So we were we were talking off the air that um, I kind of said the same thing. Like, although I didn't dislike the first couple of episodes after watching this one, I feel like it's finding its footing a lot quicker than most of the shows have. Yeah, this this kind of felt to me this episode, episode three felt to me like we're here We've arrived. We are now ready to start the show. Episodes one and two kind of felt like a prologue, and this is chapter one. Okay. I mean, I can definitely see the, um, I can definitely see your point of view, and I would argue that I, I did feel that way a good amount with episode one, with her training, with her coming back to Gotham, kind of just introducing you to all the characters in the world and i could see that to a certain extent on the second episode but not as much but i i see what you're saying that i feel like we've gotten we've gotten past all of the needed info and now we can kind of get on with what where we're gonna go this season which i'm really excited for i mean 
we both we both talked off air. We both really liked this episode. Um, I have more notes, and not one of them was why is Luke, Luke Fox dumb? <laughs> because he actually wasn't dumb this episode. I'm kind of both happy and sad with. Um, back when Supergirl had first started, and I don't know if it was the at least the first couple of seasons, Supergirl TV Talk did um, a segment called like the Cat Grant quote of the week. <laughs> so I was really hoping like I could do the Luke Fox, you know, stupid line of the week, but he wasn't dumb in this episode. So I'm like, oh, there goes that idea. No, it, there wasn't really anyone that was particularly dumb in this episode. Uh, there was one particularly glaring dumb moment, which we'll get to. Um, it was kind of like right at the start of the episode when when Kate said something along the lines of, I didn't expect, when she was like, I didn't expect this to happen, meaning people wanting Batman. And I'm just looking at the TV going, well, what did you expect to happen when you put his suit on? Did you honestly I don't know. think nobody would care? I mean, it's been three years. People have to move on. Yeah, but and then but when you see the thing you're moved on from, you're gonna have feelings about it. Yeah, looking at you, Sophie. <laughs> yeah. That was quite evident. And all the questions I had about Sophie in our last episode were basically answered when she kissed her husband. <laughs> you know, that that is actually the have listed here so when we get to it um it'll that'll be interesting so we're gonna do before we really kick off this episode and proper as far as the episode three down down, down is a a listener brought to us and um one of the things we kind of glossed over last episode which is good because it kind of kicks off this episode so last time on batwoman alice sends the bat to to Kate with a note that says you have your father's eye and that's giving us the knowledge that Alice knows Kate is is back or is dressing up as Batman so we have Alice Kate knows Alice is Beth and I really like this dynamic because it kind of reinforces the twin sister or the twin sibling uh, um, stereotype yeah. of like they, like they know each other's moves and i i also like the fact like i'm sorry even 15 years after the fact chances are you're always able to recognize you, especially your twin absolutely because even you're going to recognize your twin by feeling more than by look it's a connection right. that you have with right. the person exactly um so i do like the fact like their connection goes beyond goes beyond not having really been in each other's lives for so many years that they can still tell it each other who they're who they really are and it kind of aside from that it also gives them the fact like everyone else they might be able to fool everyone with them exactly and i love that yeah absolutely i don't like it when there's supposed to be a secret ed it's one of the things that in the Berlin verse has always kind of used fast and loose but in this case that these two know each other and who they are i don't know if i would ex- if everyone knew who kate was if i would like it as much but sophie beth those two i'm fine with 
Yeah, but Beth definitely, like, Beth and, and Kate need to know who each other are, because otherwise I think the entire dynamic of the show would be completely different and it would actually kind of stall the storytelling for me. Yeah, I can definitely, I can definitely see, and I just love it so much, and I, I can't wait to get more of it. Me either. So we start off this episode with what I assume is um, a glimpse of Beth's life after the accident. I wasn't sure if that. Sh- I wasn't sure if that was flashback or nightmare. I was going to ask you. Well. I think it's both. Like, I think it's a nightmare that kind of gives us some sort of feeling as to where she was or what she went through. Um, so we see her walking around a, a workshop, which for all intents and purposes is just a very creepy workshop that while everything is, looks very innocuous, the, the lighting, the feel is that all all of these benign instruments that could be used for a lot of different things seem to be used for torture or at least to inflict pain on something or someone. We So we see her walking through this kind of workshop area to until she gets to a sink of water in which just before she wakes up, a face a mask rises out of the water. And I wrote down. Is this a clue to who had her or who she was with growing up, or is this just a symbol, um, a sim, uh, a symbolic item of Alice rising out of the water Beth supposedly drowned in? Yeah, I'm not sure. Now, he, I don't know because like I, I, it, it kind of creeped me out, and I didn't really want to rewind to kind of investigate it further. So I was I saw the face. <laughs> And went, ew, and went, all right, that's kind of creepy. And then, but the more I think about it, I kind of think it's Alice rising to the surface and kind of okay. her, her, maybe her being reborn or something. I don't know. It's just that whole, the whole face thing was weird. I also thought that maybe like some serial killer was holding her captive. And like, that was. Yeah, the- see, <laughs> I, I thought that too. Like I was trying, I was trying to rack my brain if. I could connect any of the Batman rogues gallery with that area. And all I could really come up with is a newer, a newer villain called professor pig. Uh, he had shown up in Gotham, I believe, but I don't really recall them saying a, they were casting somebody for him or or that he was going to be a character, but he does kind of fit the mold of of he would do he would do um surgery on his victims that that kind of went along with that like he would change their face he tried to make people look perfect and his his minions were called dollatrons um because he would he would scar their face to a certain image to make them look perfect so that was the only thing i could come up with the other thing in the comics thomas elliott is a is a plastic surgeon so he this could also be alluding to thomas elliott down the road although we do see him in this episode and he doesn't seem to be a doctor like he just seems to be a a uh real estate 
mogul. Yeah. So those were those were the only uh, those were the only two villains that I could really tie into that scene, if it's foreshadowing anybody at all. But I don't know. So it'll be interesting to see. I want to know Beth's backstory. Yeah. And I'm fine I'm if we get it in drips and drabs. Yeah, I don't know if I want an entire episode devoted to it or if I want to get it in drips and drabs. I haven't decided which one I want yet. As long as I get it this season, I think I'll be fine. Because drips and drabs is fine. I just don't want it to go on longer than absolutely necessary. I want so to if, at least know if this is like how safe. she was rescued before Crisis. Okay. I, I mean, that's fair. I want a piece of her backstory before Crisis because Crisis is basically going to halt at this point our current story. We're going to you know, get to a certain point. We're going to have Crisis and then it's going to kind of like we're going to press resume after Crisis is over. So I would rather have at least, excuse me, <clears throat> some of the information before Crisis. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely... I definitely see that lot. So I'm okay. So I'm, I'm yeah. I'm fine with it being in drips and drabs as long as we get like a little bit every week. I I would really want to not go through a week without getting some sort of her a piece of the puzzle. So Absolutely. We, we move on to one of my favorite scenes of the episode, which is Alice kind of uh, um, inviting Kate to the top of uh, the Gotham Police Department. I'm assuming that's where the the bat signal still is. She shines the bat signal to lure to lure Kate over there and we get such a great scene of Alice kind of giving Kate crap like a true sibling would. I loved it. You know, she, she kind of mocks her because Kate just shows up as Kate and she mocks her, like, did the suit not fit? Is it not, you know, is it not comfortable? I loved it. Although, I will say the second scene that they had on the roof was actually my favorite. Okay. But this this first one was great. We also get, we also get Alice, aside from her kind of needling Kate, she also kind of gives Kate, she also kind of gives Kate uh, um, a talking to about dressing up as Batman by saying like she's she's already kind of got people worked up you know Batman had been gone for three years and now people are already worked up for more Batman now that they've seen these sightings of him and she even uses she, she even uses the word like you know she made Gotham horny for Batman I laughed so hard at that line harder than I should have <laughs> Which was such a like it was such a hilarious line, and I just jokingly put in my notes like, has anyone anywhere ever been horny for Batman? Like <laughs> I can understand Superman, but Batman probably not. I think it would depend on who, which Batman. <laughs> yeah, I mean if it's Val. So, so I mean, in that scene, I'm gonna say, Alice. While it's Alice and Kate talking, it's definitely Beth and Kate talking. And I think there's a very clear distinction when she's Beth and when she's Alice. Yes. Even if she tries to kind of toe the line so it doesn't show like Beth is coming through. 
and that Kate is actually getting to her, you can mm-hmm. still tell when it's actually happening. Like, what you can still tell in, like, the way she looks, the way she says certain things, that Kate is affecting her more than she wants to admit. Absolutely. And, the, and I think it's such a great dynamic to have a character that can be both things without without it seeing, like, like a stereotype. Like, she's so crazy that she can be sane. You know, like, you know, so the Joker's always kind of played very, very weirdly where you have someone who's just a complete anarchist and Mark Hamill in the animated series would play him like he could go on a huge laughing tear and then be serious in the next second. And this is this is kind of playing it in the same direction, only it's it feels vastly different. Like it seems that she has she has more moments of lucidity than being crazy but she see i don't actually think she's crazy i think she's playing crazy i think okay. she wants i think she wants people to think that she's crazy and she uses the crazy as a deflection when they're really starting to get to her i mean that's that is yeah that's a good that is a good observation so It'll it'll again, this is all going to tie into her backstory as to to what happened with those 15 years. You know, was she tortured at all? Because something we know she we essentially know like her motivation right now isn't really to take down the world or to take down the government or it's just to get, get back at her father for what she sees as him moving on from her. It's actually to, her. to get back at Kate because she blames Kate for because she said you're the one who made dad declare me dead. So she thinks Kate is the reason that she was declared dead. And I think she's she's going after Kate and her dad, but more so Kate. OK, I mean, there is a scene later on where she's where she's at their penthouse and she's going through Kate's stuff and she finds Kate's map of the areas that she was searching. So I think if that's the case, she's kind of starting to put together that Kate never re- really gave up searching until until her father kind of put the kibosh on it. Yeah. All right. So we move on. We see Sophie kickboxing with her husband. <laughs> you know, standard couple stuff in the morning. He he makes a comment like, you know, most couples just have breakfast together. Uh, they share a very, a very um, nice kiss that looks totally normal between a, a woman and her husband and not at all loveless and strained. That, like I said before, that kiss answered every question I had last week because it literally looked because she had to close her eyes before she kissed him. It was almost as if she was saying, like, I know this isn't Kate, but I can't have Kate. So I just got to make this work and we're just going to go for it. I'm just going to I really like you, husband of mine, because she was thinking about Kate and that's what got her so. So, so worked up in the session. Exactly. I was trying to find the appropriate way to phrase that. So thank you. 
You're welcome. So yeah, I mean, obvious, obviously she's not over Kate. She she still has feelings for Kate, even though she has said she moved on and she got married. It was okay. it was yeah, it was kind of clear in the last episode. This one kind of spells it out. Yeah, this one makes it loud and clear that she still has feelings for Kate, and she is just not ready to fully embrace those feelings. So she is settling for what she thinks she wants. Yeah. Other than that, there was not too much on with that scene. We get, we get Mary. I love her. So I I'm really digging Mary. I like her. I like her. I'm a vapid Instagram influencer socialite, but I'm actually a really smart uh, medical student. Um, so we find that Kate's father, Jacob, is making Mary have a and it's Sophie. Not that would be that would be the most awkward thing. So that's what it has to be. I love that. I like Sophie trying information about Kate and Mary being like the world's worst liar when she's like, you know, Kate doesn't really come home at night. Because she's beautiful, single, and, and, you know, emotionally available. Which is words that I I would never use to describe any Wayne whatsoever. Well, no, but she's she's doing the sisterly thing of trying to make it seem like Kate is doing better than she actually is. Because I don't think she wants Sophie to know how badly she was damaged by their breakup. Right. Although Sophie will... I mean, um, Mary will needle Sophie about that later on. Yes, and that was the moment that she became my favorite. <laughs> so we Elliot on the TV in an earlier scene. Now we get introduced. To, now we get introduced to him fully. He has a face to face with Kane as he's in Bruce's uh, office at Wayne Enterprises. This scene is pretty pretty standard as far as introducing how much of a scummy person uh thomas uh, thomas elliott is probably going to be like you just get a very a very smarmy feeling about him and he, he seems very intent on one-upping bruce yeah that seemed it definitely seemed like there was a deep-seated rivalry there which is weird because they're supposed to be best friends so where the rivalry is born out of, we don't quite know. We do know that he seems to he seems to feel he's in competition with Bruce as far as you know having a taller building, making yeah, more money. That was totally a euphemism for something else for me, but. <laughs> <laughs> so the one thing we kind of get from this scene is. is Thomas is having a building warming party because he just bought the building across from Wayne Tower that's five stories tall. And he's there to give Bruce the invitation. And he's been in Gotham this entire time, so he Bruce has been. But he seems very intent that Bruce is back, thus signaling that he knows Bruce is Batman. Exactly. And I love that. Kate put that together a little later in the episode. I love that. So after he leaves, we start 
Kate is finally kind of shown the consequences of her running around as Batman. And aside from just the, the internet chatter, the radio personalities, and the people kind of talking about it, we see that just because Batman's gone doesn't necessarily mean his enemies are. And there's an effigy of Batman kind of dropped in the middle of a of a public place with paint scrawled on the walls to look like blood. It was so in the, she, it was in the newspaper, right? Yeah. So we see so we see like the first real effects of her being running around as a Batman person because all these all these people that have kind of lied dormant that were just enemies of Batman might start crawling out of the woodwork again thinking that he's back. So now this becomes a this could become a a very problematic situation for just the citizens. Not just that they want a Batman to help them day to day, but now there could be repercussions of Batman being back. And I like that Kate's immediate reaction was, well, I made this mess, I have to clean it up. Yep, she's very she has she definitely has the sense of a, a sense of duty to that. While it wasn't her intention, she's you know she's like if this is by me, I have to do, and that could be like from her military background or just her. Which either one is fine. But I do like she is. We don't have to like spend three episodes saying, you know, this is your fault. We need you to do something, and her kind of just denying. Like she seems a little bit. She seems a little bit more reticent to accept what she's already started to do. Yeah, which I think is already a departure from most other Berlanti shows, which I appreciate. Oh, instead of being like the reluctant hero, she's a little bit more willing? Yes. Okay. She's willing to own the fact that she made this, you know, she misjudged people's reaction to that suit, and she's willing to own that. And she's willing to say, I made a mistake. I'm going to be here to fix it and just move forward. And I appreciate that because not a lot of heroes in this universe do that. Okay. Yeah. No, that's that's definitely something that is not found all that often in the superhero genre, which so it's nice to see. It's nice to see different characteristics coming out. We um so we find out there's a so we find we know there's a party going on that Thomas Elliot's throwing so naturally every member of the cast is there because that's how TV shows work. Mary's going, Kate's going, Sophie's going because Kate uh, because she's Mary's security detail. The crows are there because Thomas Elliot's one of their biggest contracts. While all this is happening, Alice breaks into the Kane penthouse, and you really see, like, as she's kind of just rifling through their stuff, the only thing she, the only thing she breaks, disorganizes, is one picture on the wall of of Jacob, Kate, Mary, and Catherine. She drops the picture and she stomps on it and it really kind of drives home the fact like 
she thinks she was replaced in this family. And I think I think I would argue that while you said she was upset with Kane, uh, Kate, thinking that Kate was the one to give up on her, I think ultimately she's more she might be more obsessed on Mary than than the show's letting on because that's the replacement daughter. On Mary or on Catherine? On Mary. Because okay. Mary's Mary's right. the replacement daughter for her, so right. she no, she I, was I, gone, and Mary's the one who replaced her. I get that. I just I, she just she has a lot of issues, and I'm not really sure where she directs them, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Although we do see she had left a she had left kind of a message for Catherine that Catherine didn't want Jacob to see, and it was yes. And it was the playing cards. I, I don't know of any um, comic connection yet. Uh, my only thing is like the card equal, like the cards equal thirteen, which is an unlucky number. But yeah, uh, were, I, were they thirteen when the accident happened? Um, no, they would have been younger because that would mean they're twenty eight now. Yeah, I would, I would probably say. They were like maybe when the accident happened. Um, And I mean, the only other thing is the cards do kind of fit her Alice gimmick. You know, the the Mm. queen, you know, the queen's minions were all playing cards. Right. There is one other thing we forgot to mention with the um, initial Kate and Alice scene. Kate told her not to kill for 24 hours. Right. And. And as soon as she's as soon as she's a security guard, <laughs> she throws the she throws the knife at him, kills him. And I'm just saying, I'm like, well, does, so do we just start the 24 hours again now? Like, is it a I was like, is it an honor system? My my response was, did she even make it 12 hours? You know, that's a good question. <laughs> it's it's perpetually nighttime in Gotham, so it's hard to tell when uh, when a day is. I was like. So much for that. So we move back over to the party. Um, one of the things I noticed immediately, and I don't actually know why I noticed it, Kate has one dangly <laughs> and, and on her other ears just like three small hoops. And is this like an actual fashion thing? Like <laughs> I don't know. I don't wear earrings. So that would – I don't know. Um, I'm just going to chalk it up to it being – a cake thing. I mean, that she makes work. It, it just, yeah, it worked. It just looks weird. Like I feel like her like face should be out of balance. I don't know. But so we get we, a huh? Did we kind of skip something before we got to the party? Uh maybe. What do you think we skipped? Uh the fact that the gun that can penetrate Batman's suit got stolen. Oh, yes. Yes. There's a gun that got stolen that can penetrate the the suit, which is weird because it was developed by Bruce Wayne. I, I, I think, didn't Tommy say when he was doing his whole villain spiel that it was a way for him to keep his power in check to make sure he never became too powerful? There was always a way to stop him. I, I like that that's what Tommy's reasoning is yet on the opposite side you have luke who's like 
if Bruce made this gun, he also made a suit to withstand it. So it'll be like which one is true. Like I can see both. Like I can see the whole thing of I need a way to be stopped. Because Luke also said too, he he made it in case the suit ever fell into the wrong hands. He wanted to have a way to destroy it. But I also thought that Luke said something along the lines of if he made the weapon that destroys it, he had to have made something that I thought it was something that could depower that weapon, not necessarily a stronger suit. Maybe I misheard the line. Uh, I mean, it's it's very possible. Um, I I think I think you heard the line right. And I think we're just taking two different meanings of it. Okay. So so I mean. To be honest, it's not like Batman's play. If if he went rogue, there are ways to take him down. As much as he doesn't want to admit it. Right, but I think he he was always afraid of too the suit falling into the wrong hands. Like if one of his enemies stole his suit, they would at least have like a way hate. to stop them. Yeah, which is weird. We've never. I don't think we've ever had that. Line. Like someone just stealing the bat the Batman suit. Hmm. That uh, one that step line, ahead of everybody. Yeah, because that line just kind of it stuck with me when he said that. Yeah. And I can I can definitely see why. It's uh it's it's very telling and it's very Bruce to think of that issue before anyone else would have. He seems, I don't, like I said, I don't know much about Batman or him, but he seems like a very, uh, he seems to be a very, um, I don't want to say problematic, but he's very good at solving problems before they happen. He's very logical. Yes, he, he definitely is. And sometimes being the cause of the problems. He, he is, he is, uh, he is very much like that. So we, don't know Thomas Elliot's the one who stole him. That's kind of what they. That's kind of like what's going on part of the episode. Kate kind of quickly puts two and two together. She knows Tommy knows he's Batman. Tommy just kind of randomly shows up thinking Bruce is back, and now this stuff is stolen. She assumes it's him, so she is going to the party as Kate to kind of figure it out on the down low. Right. Because she does. She, because she knows that whoever stole the weapon would know that Bruce is Batman. Yeah. Because otherwise, how would yes. they know that the weapon exists? Correct. And at then, the party. But while she's at the... No, go ahead. While she's at the party, guess who she runs into? Mr. Sophie. He might actually have a real name. I'm calling him Mr. Sophie. <laughs> That's fine, because I don't know what his name is either. So, Mr. Sophie and Kate have a small conversation in which he's like, oh, you know, it's weird that you and Sophie are friends because she's never mentioned you, ever. And it quickly dawns on Kate that Sophie hasn't told her husband everything. She not only hasn't told her husband that her and Kate date, when Kate brings up the fact like she's Kate from the Academy, 
he just naturally assumes, oh, you were friends at the military academy, not you're the one who got thrown out for kissing my my wife. So, so that also leads us to believe that Sophie might not have said anything about her past sexuality to her husband. And they've only been married three years, we find out, so... Well, well, everyone knows you wait five years. (laughs) Like, it's... You know, you have the paper anniversary, the tin anniversary, the anniversary where you tell your husband you were... that you used to be bi or a lesbian, or vice versa, like, when you tell your wife you used to be bi or gay. Like, it's the fifth anniversary. I'm pretty sure of it. <laughs> it's just, I for some reason, I thought they were married longer than that. So when I heard three years, I was kind of surprised. Uh, oh, okay. I mean, I could see the surprise. I also don't, I mean, that seems right, because it doesn't seem like it's been that long since since they were at military academy. So that would almost lead me to think like if they were at military academy, say five or six years ago, they kind of met and got married a little bit too quickly. Because she was was in training for five years because in that scene with Sophie, Mary said it was easier for her to walk away from five years, five years of training than it was to work with the woman who broke her heart. Right. So let's say seven years since Military Academy, because that would give Kate that would give Kate some time to kind of blow off steam before wanting to become a crow. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. I don't know why I thought they were married longer, but I did. But three years is okay. Yeah, I mean, three years is fine. We get a nice little back and forth with Kate and Jacob about Alice and Jacob, like, you know, I'm going to bring in, you know, I'm going to bring in Alice, whether you like it or not. And and Kate kind of saying, you know, if you if you kill her, you're going to lose both of your daughters. Um, Kate also makes a proclamation that she doesn't think Alice is going to be a problem today, meaning um, she's not going to kill anybody. And wow, that was a big swing and miss, Kate. Like, yes, it was. But my, fa- my favorite line is when he goes, "Well, what makes you so sure?" And she goes, "It's a twin thing." Yep, we're twinning. Um, I love that. I will say the one thing I didn't. The one thing I wasn't too sure about in this uh, party scene is the fact, like, we see Kate talking to the bartender, and the bartender quickly realizing that Kate used to used to date Mr. Sophie's wife, and he has no idea. We, I want Kate seems a little awkward talking to her. Which is kind of the way they've they've chosen to play her in this universe. But I've always liked suave Kate in the comic. She's much more along the lines of Bruce Wayne, 
um, when she is talking to attractive members of society, and I kind of, I kind of miss that pers- personality trait of, of Kate. I'm hoping we get it down the road, but she just seemed a little awkward in this scene. A little bit, but I think she kind of caught her, got her suaveness back by the end. But we'll get, yeah, you know, we'll discuss that scene. Yeah. But that was a little awkward. I didn't bump on the fact that the bartender figured it out because, like, bartenders in TV land are kind of, like, all-knowing psychiatrists who serve beer. (laughs) Yes. So that really didn't bother me. Yeah, no, that part was fine. It was just, like, Kate's reaction. And it could just be Kate being thrown off because of Sophie and Mr. Sophie being at the party. It could also be I don't think she expected her to to figure out that dynamic in 2.5 seconds and then be called on it either by a complete stranger. Yeah, very true. Kate goes uh, snooping around and she finds the gun in Thomas's in in Thomas's office because that's where evidence of a crime. Yeah. So it it kind of forces Tommy to um to run away and uh, um take hold of three of the ho- three of the elevators. Now all the elevators are full because Alice called up Jacob. Jacob knows that she's at the penthouse, so he's trying to leave the party with his wife. Sophie, they're in one elevator. Sophie, Mary, and Mr. Sophie are in a second elevator. And then just random wait staff is in a third elevator. And wait to staff distract Kate. Dust. Yeah. To <laughs> distract Kate, Tommy has an app apparently that takes control of the three elevators. He drops the one with the wait staff because they're the most expendable because we don't know any of their names and we'll never see them again. We get to the rooftop scene. Well, actually, Kate leaves the party. Like, Kate's like, all right, you dropped an elevator. I'm peacing out for now. Uh, Tommy tells Kate if he doesn't want the if they don't want the other two elevators to get um, to get cut, then Batman should meet him on the rooftop in like an hour or he gives some arbitrary time. So so was this also she the leaves where we got kind of Tommy's backstory on why he hates Batman and Bruce, or was that a little bit later? That's on the rooftop. For some reason I thought that was in the office when he I talked mean, about it. it. Cause up on the rooftop, it they were just then, each so we, they were oh no, just you're right. It is, you're right. It is. Yeah. It, you're right. It is the scene. We get Tommy's pretty much entire backstory. He tried to kill his mom to get the inheritance money batman saved her he's always been jealous that bruce had money and no parents to really answer to at least that was also and it's very it's very akin to his to um his psychology in the comics like they were best friends and bruce's parents died and tommy always kind of Kind of saw that as being like 
like such a good idea. Even though, though like he would see Bruce always moping around, he would be like, I don't know why he's so sad because he's got all of his he's got all the money and his parents can't control him because they're dead. I loved that back. I I kind of liked getting that backstory and it was wasn't what I was expecting, but I liked it. It was deeper than I expected. What were you expecting? I wasn't sure what to expect. I figured there was a jealousy thing, but I wasn't expecting that he actually meant for his mom to die. And he was bitter because she didn't die and that he was mad at Batman for doing the good thing that Batman was trying to do. Yeah. So that whole thing kind of threw me for an interesting loop. Yeah, no, it's it's one of the it it's a weird motivation and it's weirdly original. Um, and I think that's why he quickly became like such a popular character in Batman mythology. Aside from being like the storyline was just was just written really well so uh it'll be interesting to see like where he goes from this episode because now that he kind of knows bruce isn't back wait what's like what's he gonna be doing in gotham is tommy sticking around i believe so so yeah i love the actor so yay um, I believe like they had kind of said like this season is going to be like Tommy going towards being hush. It'll be okay. interesting to see him develop that over time. We in the same scene, we also Kate asks him, how does he know Bruce's Batman? And he says he paid somebody to riddle him the answer obviously referring to the Riddler, which makes me question, Does is there somebody in Gotham that doesn't know Bruce's Batman at this point? I mean, at this point, with Bruce being gone and Batman being gone at the same time, anybody who didn't know would know, but maybe nobody knows they know? Okay. I mean, it, I mean, yeah, you would think that people kind of put two and two together when Batman and Bruce Wayne like disappear at the same time. But, but no one ever sees. Just because you figure it out doesn't necessarily mean you go to somebody and say, "Hey, do you think that this guy was Batman and that why that's why he's gone?" Yeah. The uh, the other thing is, what do you think? Do you think we'll ever find out what happened to Batman? I was gonna ask if maybe that they had cast Bruce at some point for this season. So that maybe we could see what happened in flashback. I didn't know if there was any sort of casting news or anything that had come out. They have not. I can only I can only kind of tie it to the same thing. Uh, the same thing with like Supergirl's first season, where they were like, "We're not going to have Superman on the show ever," and then the second season they were like, "Except this one episode now." So. I wouldn't be surprised if we get Batman eventually. Um, that is that would be all dependent on whether or not WB lets them. I would assume, but right now I just want to like I just want to know why did he leave? 
Like, I don't even need Batman to show up. I just want to know why why they're no longer there. But Along is, there, a, oh, it, is there a way they can tell that story without him, without casting a Batman to tell that story in flashback? I think there's a way to tell it without even casting him, but it's going to require also bringing in the other members of the Bat family that they haven't at least said they were going to have. Like, you would need to bring in a Robin, because what happened to all the Robins? What happened to Batgirl? What happened to, more than anything, what happened to Jim Gordon? Like, even if you want to say Robins and Batgirl weren't in this universe, Jim Gordon more than likely was. Or Alfred, like, give me one of those two to kind of explain what happened and I think I'd be good okay that makes sense yeah so Kate goes back to the Batcave tells Luke Fox you know you know time to fix the suit I'm going to paint a red Batman uh, a red bat symbol on it and I'm just going to randomly show up with a wig because that's the only part of the outfit we get like, we don't know where they got, got it from. Like, we see her spraying the the bat symbol red with spray paint. Luke Fox is fixing up the is fixing up the the suit to kind of make it more tailored for. And then she we get the image of her in the full suit with the wig. Her first but official suit up. I was so where excited. did she get the wig? It was so good. But where did she get the wig from? I mean, you could get the wig from almost anywhere. I know, but it's just weird. Like, why I, is she using I, a wig? Is a better question. Uh, I thought she she had a line that if she was going to dress up in the suit again, she wanted to make sure that there was no there was no doubt that it wasn't Batman so I think the wig is, is part of, of that like, like hey Batman doesn't have you know hair on the outside yeah, Batman doesn't, doesn't have color style like I do and I love that she chose red as her color it it really works with the darkness of the suit and I think that's the best part about it and the emotional resonance to that color too yes we find out that red is also the color of the birthstone, and Alice kind of figured that figures that out uh, in their second in their second rooftop meeting a little bit later. Kate goes to meet Tommy to tell him, like, look, I'm the one that's been running around as Batman. Bruce isn't back. You got to deal with me. Before that is really going on, we get a small scene in the elevator. With Mary trapped with Mr. and Mr. Sophie. And Mr. Sophie kind of questioning why Sophie has never told him about Kate. Like, you know, it's our boss's daughter. And you know her, but you never mentioned it. And she's trying to play it off like there's no reason she didn't mention it. Right. She's like, like, well, we just kind of knew each other. Yeah, we just kind of knew each other. You know, we, we were 
weren't really friends. We didn't hang out. And then there's like a little bit of an awkward tension, and poor Mary's there, like. Uh, I think uh, she told them to guys. open the door just to get them to stop talking. Right. right. <laughs> and this is, the, and the funny thing is, like, if I was Mary, I would never go into another elevator because coming into the party, she has to ride up the elevator with Kate and Sophie in like a in like a different awkward situation. And now in this one, she's kind of trapped with them, too. Like, if I was Mary, I'd be like, nope, I'm done with elevators at this point. At this point, she's done with Sophie. Like, she wants to be nowhere around Sophie. She's done with all of Sophie's drama. Like, she's just kind of over all of it. And I don't really blame her. No, I mean, neither do I. So we get the classic um, fight. On the rooftop, that woman and uh, uh, Thomas Elliot fighting. He goes to explode the ties to an elevator. This one contains Jacob and Catherine, although she doesn't know who's in the elevators. She just knows that he's that he pressed the button to explode the the ropes or the to snap the cables. Snap the cables, thank you. Um, to which she quickly goes through the hole that's blown from the from the from the detonation. She j- jumps through the hole, uses a grappling gun to kind of stabilize the that elevator. Was so awesome! It really was. To which Thomas then blows up the cables on the elevator that she's on top of. As it starts to fall, she kind of grapples up to the top of the hole where Thomas kind of has her dead to rights because she's kind of holding on, trying to climb up. And Thomas definitely has Tommy has the high ground. He's got her dead to rights with the gun. And Alice comes in for the save, knocking him out and helping and helping um, Kate through, you know, reach the you know reach the the ground again pulling her through the hole they have another moment on the rooftop where alice is like by the way um remember that 24 hours it was like 20 minutes yeah and this whole scene was my favorite because alice is trying to play like beth doesn't matter that beth is gone and kate knows that that's not true because kate is like well if that were true then you wouldn't have saved me which is so, true. So although, that, although according to Alice, she has plans for Kate. This whole like cat and mouse thing is just it makes it makes me really weirdly happy. Like I just love watching it. Yeah, I will say where is the first scene with them together? I said it was it was a conversation between Kate and Beth. I think this one is clearly a conversation between Kate and Alice. Yes. Like, I believe she's more Alice in this scene than Beth. Or she's trying to make it seem like she's more Alice than Beth. Right. Yes. So, but I believe, like, while I don't know if they're exactly two different personalities, I believe they... They each do, they each um, 
she at least tries to give them different personalities. That so, was my question on whether or not we actually think Beth and Alice are two different people within the same body. Um, I don't think so. Like, I believe she, like, she believes Beth died, and now the person she is is Alice. So I don't believe that there's two different people in there. I think, I think she is. She is a high functioning, um, a high functioning sociopath that can have the traits of the two widely different personalities on any given day. I don't know if I would classify her as a sociopath or a psychopath because sociopaths don't feel anything, and she has a lot of feelings. Um. Okay. Yeah. So, so psychopath. Yeah. yeah. She she's pretty much driven by feelings. Like she is just just one giant nerve ending. Yeah. <laughs> we we also get a quick scene um after after Mary, Sophie and Mr. Sophie get out of the elevator. They're walking through the they're walking through the um hallway the, the foyer of the building where we see the remnants of the first elevator that crashed with the staff that's kind of like some are dead some are really hurt and she stops and she's talking to somebody mary stops to talk to somebody because like her medical training kicks in this is the first time we kind of see her with other people around being the same mary that we saw on the first episode where she's really smart she knows what she's doing she's very she's very considerate of others and she even helps this woman she's like you know she she diagnoses her and the medic's like well we already checked her out and she's like you need to check her again she has these symptoms and they're like you know what you're right you know great job so this is and sophie kind of sees it for the first time that and there's sophie more to Mary. yeah there's more to Mary than what Mary leads lets everyone see. And there was a um there was a scene earlier in the episode where Mary's at college and she's kind of checking out a guy and Sophie kind of enters in the picture and the guy goes running off that Sophie even mentions like wait you're you're taking you're taking um medical classes like she doesn't yeah like she doesn't she's not not equating like the mary that she knows with the type of person that would take these classes mary's so good at giving off the carefree millennial vibe that people think that that's what she really is they don't see the i'm gonna go ahead and say it genius underneath yeah um so i do like the fact that mary has more to her character than than what she shows and I want to see if there's a reason why she does it yeah why does she put on the facade of the carefree millennial right like there's got to be a reason and I I, I do really want to know what it is and I hope we find out 
there's a lot of people like this this show is kind of built on people being publicly different than their private person we have have that with Kate we have that with Mary we have that with Sophie we have that with Beth and every single one of them to me is fascinating because I think it's all for different reasons obviously we know Kate and Alice are different reasons Sophie why you know why did she never tell her husband that she used to date women you know why is Mary why is Mary the typical socialite in public and then in private, you know, running a back alley clinic. I wonder if that has anything to do with her mom. It could. Um, we didn't really get any more insight into her, into her mother, other than the fact that there's some sort of meaning in the cards that Alice left. Because she quickly kind of scuttles them off the, the, dresser when when jacob comes walking by which is why i thought when i saw that i was like oh there must be some comic book reference there that i'm not sure what that is uh uh, nope no no comic book reference that i'm aware of i mean something they could tie it into something else um because in the in the comics jacob doesn't remarry so like there is no mary um and there's no this is kind of an original story yeah so that part is kind of original so we'll see ultimately what it means but it's but i all of the character dynamics so far been really intriguing and that alone is making me like can't wait to the next episode yeah it's almost like the villain of the week and her actually being batwoman is secondary to everything else that's going on. It's weird. I, I like that. I like that they've found a way to do villain of the week and still progress the show forward at a better pace than what, than what they've normally done. Like with the flash, they've done villain of the week and it's sometimes taken too long to keep progressing the main story for the season forward. And at times, Supergirls kind of, kind of uh, suffered from that. Although they all have. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if they can keep up this pace. And I'm wondering if the pace is at this speed because they need to get the stuff. They need to get to a certain point before crisis. Yeah. So what happens to the shows after after crisis? Will be interesting. I know Flash is kind of into two storylines this year, the pre-crisis and post-crisis. Flash is splitting. Arrow's not going to be a thing after Crisis. There's going to be like one episode, and then um, Supergirl. I have no idea what's happening post-crisis. I haven't seen or heard anything. Yeah, um, that'll that'll be interesting. Although I'm still behind two. I'm now behind two episodes on Supergirl. So I just so I, watched both episodes earlier today. So I don't know like how well they're progressing their overall season story, but this definitely seems to be the fastest I've seen them progress a story. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 
So, I mean, it's, it'll be interesting. Next week, we get another Villain of the Week. Um, while I'm looking that up, did you have any more thoughts on this week's episode? No, we pretty much just, we pretty much talked about everything. I, like I said, I loved, like, the first, her first suit-up was probably one of my favorite moments of the whole episode. Like, the way they did it. Oh, actually, there is one other thing. I love that Sophie named her Batwoman. Yes, we have Rachel Maddow talking, like, so is this Bat-chick, Bat-girl? And she's like, no. And Sophie's in the car listening. She's like, no, her name's going to be Batwoman. I'm going to copyright it. Her name is Batwoman. I love that because, and I'm just going to make a parallel, Iris is the one who named Barry the Flash, and they are the main couple on that show. Iris and Barry are like the couple. So I'm hoping that since Sophie named Batwoman, that that means good things for Sophie and Kate. Did Felicity name Arrow? No, I don't think so. Well, she might have renamed him Green Arrow. I'm not sure. I don't remember. I watched so much of Arrow, it all kind of blurs together. Because, I mean, I mean, let's be realistic. The one true, the one true uh, relationship in all the Arrowverse is Felicity and Arrow. I mean, I love them, but my one true pairing will always be Barry and Iris. Ah, they're pretty good, too. I guess. West Allen is everything. (laughs) So, next week's episode is going to be called... Who are you? I... So... If um, it wasn't completely obvious... It seems like every episode this season is going to be um, a reference to Alice in Wonderland. We got down, down, down the rabbit hole, the caterpillar who says, who are you? I like that. Yeah, so do I. I mean, it's it's definitely going to play out after the first season, so hopefully that's the only time they're going to do it. Hopefully. But, so... New villain with an eye for all things that sparkle. Kate attempts to find balance between her personal life and her new role as Gotham's guardian. Catherine has an uncomfortable encounter with Alice. Batwoman pays fangirl Mary a visit to ask for a favor. Oh, that's right. Mary doesn't know she's Batwoman. That'll be interesting. That will be interesting. Uh, one other quick thing before we wrap things up. What yes. do we? What did we think of that scene at the end? Where was the was the blonde chick that asked out Kate? Was that the same bartender or was that a different character? Yes, that is that is Reagan is her name. Did we like that? I mean, I like that Reagan took the initiative because it didn't seem like this Kate is going to. Uh, So I loved uh, how jealous Sophie was. Did you see the look on her face? Yeah, she was. (laughs) She was jelly. She was not happy. She was turning green. She was. So Reagan is played by Brienne, who um has been in 
who's been in some some other shows. She was in The Exorcist, which I never saw. She was in Horrible, Horrible Bosses 2. But I knew she looked familiar, and the reason she looked familiar to me was she was also Melanie Dorcas in Scream Queens. Okay. I saw the commercials for Scream Queens, but never actually watched it. Um, I absolutely loved the first season of Scream Queens. The second season was not nearly as good. And then I think the third and uh, no, there were only two seasons. So the second season wasn't. Yeah, the second season was all right. But I mean, aside because I love Leia Michelle and I love horror. So uh, that show was perfect for me. It was also done by Ryan Murphy, who did American Horror Story and Glee. This was more of a comedy horror type that kind of went on the. The same tropes as American Horror Story, but more in a comedy vibe. I thought Leia Michelle was good. But the standout, the standout of the entire shows was uh, Billy Lord, uh, who is the who is the daughter of of um, Princess Leia, whose name is just escaping me right now. Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher. She is her daughter. And I did not know and, that. Oh yeah, yep. She's she's her daughter. And she's great. Like anything she's been in, she's great. I always kind of confuse her with Brittany from Glee. Heather because, Mars. Huh? Heather Mars? Yes. And not be like they look vaguely similar, like if you squint and close one eye. But they play they like she plays Brittany style characters. And gotcha. she and her voice voice kind of sounds the same so every so often i'll uh i'll confuse the two but i really loved billy lord in those in those two seasons of scream queens and if you if you haven't watched it yet billy lord is a is a um um shows up in the movie book smarts that came out earlier this year I have not seen it. She is like she the movie's good, but like her scenes, she just totally steals the movies at time. At times, so she is such a great actress, and I really, I really want to see Billy Lord like do more. And that was a tangent that I didn't plan on going on until I that the bartender was from Scream Queens, but <laughs> yes, so. She looks like she's going to be around for at least another episode because we do see her and Kate canoodling uh, in the preview for the next episode. Oh, so we Kate. at least have her around for one more episode. Good. Yes. Is Kate's moving on just like she was told to? And I don't think Sophie actually expected her to, which is why she felt okay in saying it because I don't think she ever actually thought she would. Right, so now we need to get the awkward double date going. Yes, please. And watch it be Mr. Sophie's <laughs> idea. Oh, yes, absolutely, because, like, I think Mr. Sophie's starting to, like, like piece something together, but I could also see, like, the scene going, like, I could also see, like, the scene where, like, Kate is not trying to, is not trying to, do or say 
anything to upset them, but at the same time, like, the bartender being, like, dropping, like, massive hints that that they were together. Oh, yeah, the double date would be so much fun. It definitely will be. Maybe we'll get that next week. Who knows? I don't. I really don't, because the <laughs> preview didn't tell me. But other than that, you can find us on Twitter at at Batwoman TV Talk. Um, where can people find you? I am at XO Tony Roney XO on Twitter. Okay, and we are part of the Thought Bubble Audio Network. Uh, it's podcast for the modern geek. We have a bunch of shows aside from the great shows of Batwoman TV Talk and Academy Rewind. We also have Beer with Geeks, Supergirl TV Talk, Read Up, Tolkien TV Talk, which was one I forgot last week, uh, Hate Watch, Hate Watch with Us, Metropolis. There's others too. I'm almost positive of it. One day I'm gonna remember the podcast that Frank's wife does. And it'll be great. But until then, I know she does a podcast, and you should listen to it. There's a link on the Thought Bubble Audio website or even on our website. I'm sure there's a link to it. Listen to it. It's great. I don't know the name of it, but I know it's great. Other than that, I believe I don't have anything else. Do you have anything else? I do not. All right. Well, we're going to get going because there's shine. The bat signal out in the sky, and that means I need to go. So until next week, uh, we are signing off. Bye.